I'm, I'm Robert Van Leer. I'm here in Beverly Hills, California. I'm the executive director and CEO of the Wallace Annenberg Center for the Performing Arts. I've been here for five months, so I'm relatively new. We are a multi-art, multi-community art center um, built out of the original structure, which was the uh, post office, which was built here in 1934 in Beverly Hills. Um, and added to and developed as an additional contemporary theater or a whole uh, kind of mini campus here um, of a performing arts center with an education wing, two theaters, you know, bars, uh, public areas, um, you know, a true uh, full service community center uh, serving both the artistic, the, the, the media community, but also the social and cultural fabric of Los Angeles. Robert, it's a pleasure. Lovely to meet you. So as the new executive director that's obviously not where you started your journey within the world of theatre uh, so would you like to share with me a little bit about how you got into this profession well like so many people uh, my first theatre experience was in high school I was kind of you know not you know chosen by leaders because they never had enough boys you know I was in the band and standing at the back was very tall and they said hey you, you you should go do this so I was put into a musical in high school and it developed from there. I got into community theater. I got into, you know, then I went to Carnegie Mellon, got my degree in theater, moved to New York, worked as a, you know, theater professional for some years um, before I transitioned into this side of the desk, so to speak, the admin side of a leading cultural organization. How was your time in the world of arts administration? I don't know. Did you take a little bit more of a shine to that side of things as opposed to theater directing, producing that sort of world? Again, it was entirely happenstance, as it's so often the way. I was a working, you know, jobbing actor in New York, and I had been waiting tables in between my theater jobs. I got really tired of that. Um, uh, so I decided to go do a, a quick course, you know, in kind of office skills and learn WordPerfect and stuff like that, and started getting jobbed out by an agency just to work here, there, and everywhere. And I got a job um, working in the then new department, which was Jazz at Lincoln Center. Um, Rob Gibson had just come in along with Winton Marsalis to establish within Lincoln Center Incorporated at Jazz Lincoln Center, and I worked with them for a couple of months. And it was kind of fun. I thought it was interesting, and they were nice, and you know, it's a nice office, and you know, they paid me well. And then I got approached by the HR person who said, "Well, there's also other jobs in this organization if you'd be interested in doing this long term." So I ended up taking a job as the assistant to the then executive producer Bill Lockwood, who had been the producer behind iconic series like Great Performances, mostly Mozart, serious fun. It started all of those series. Um, then Jane Moss, who was there for a long time as the artistic and VP of programming at, at the Lincoln Center came in and I worked for Jane for about a year before I, I jumped to London and kind of moved my own career forward as an, admin, as an administrator. Cool, okay. Had your move to the Wallace been something that you'd kind of had your eye on for a while, was that something that you were always uh, aspiring to do? Transition to a large kind of receiving, producing house, was that always your ambition? Well, actually, I was at the Kennedy Center for seven years, left there last year in 2022, and decided to take a little break. I'm very lucky to have a small home in the land of my parents' birth in the Netherlands, and just went there to hang out by the beach and kind of take long walks after, you know, having worked hard for many, many years. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and after a couple of months of doing that, I thought, okay, well, what's next? And um, David Bonnet, who was on the board of the Kennedy Center, is also on the board here at the Wallace. And I, I, I was aware that there were some leadership transitions happening, and I reached out to him, and we had a conversation. And it transpired that both the ED and the AD positions were vacant here at the Wallace. So I decided to apply for the ED position. Um, um, and one thing led to another. And then, you know, some five, six months later, I find myself here in Beverly Hills, um, starting with the Wallace. How exciting. Fantastic. Okay. So for the sake of the listeners, would you be able to tell us a little bit about the Wallace in relation to contextually where it fits within Beverly Hills, but then also at at its heart, who or what is the Wallace to the surrounding community and its audiences? Well, that's a really great question because, you know, the, my predecessors, Rachel Fine and Paul Cruz, did a, a really wonderful job of establishing this place in the first 10 years. But the truth is, as you know, as the audience listening to this podcast probably knows, is that the, you know, the world around us is changing, has been changing, is continuing to change, and has been changed further and more speedily by the pandemic. So I think one of the things I'm doing now in these early months here at the Wallace is to go back to kind of grassroots principles and ask the question of the staff, of the board, of the artists, of the community, of cultural leadership in here in Los Angeles, and, and beyond. What, what what are we? What do you think we are? What can we be? What shall we be? My vision, which we talked about with the search committee before I you know, was offered the position, was the role of a performing arts center, because that's really, in essence, what it is. And that's where I've spent most of my career, is working for Lincoln Center, for the Barbican in London for 15 years, for the Kennedy Center for seven years. These are multifaceted, multi-venue, multi-stakeholder, multi-community you know, hyphenated organizations which want to achieve many things for many different communities at many different parts times of the day. And thereby become an important cultural anchor for their community. So I think your question is really spot on, you know, as the Brits would say, at this moment in time, and something we're working to define. You know, how can we be more meaningful, more impactful, more present, in the life of our Beverly Hills community. There's 31,000 people who live here in Beverly Hills and 4.9 miles. But just up the street where I live, there's you know another 30,000 people who live in West Hollywood, another city within Los Angeles County, which is a very different demographic thing. So how can we serve multiple communities in multiple ways? And there is a wonderful opportunity in a performing arts centers to do that, you know, in terms of Who do you serve in the morning? Who do you serve in the afternoon? What is your education program doing? What is your community program doing? What is the performance program doing? What are we doing in schools? What are we doing with partners? So these are all things we're exploring. Wow, okay. Certainly that must be a lot of responsibility, right? To be able to program your building, your space, to respond to the demands of of the ever-changing community within Beverly Hills. I mean, we certainly must have this pop culture idea of what Beverly Hills is and what it's about would you say that the majority of your demographic are middle to upper class communities um yes um but there's a diversity in it as well Mm -hmm. I think one of the great discoveries I've made uh being here now for five months in working in Beverly Hills is that it's very much a village and there are certain communities within that village there's a very powerful and meaningful Jewish population 
there's a meaningful, uh, an important Persian population. I learned recently that 23% of the children in Beverly Hills schools come from Persian families. You know, so it's really about looking at that mix um, and, and not, you know, necessarily pigeonholing what they want to do or what it is they want to experience, but talking to those communities, you know, learning about those communities, learning about their aspirations. What do they want for their elders? What do they want for their young people? You know, because through that, often you find a great deal of universality in terms of where we want to do and how we want to explore. Um, and then, you know, moving beyond that, because, you know, very few of us stay in Beverly Hills all the time. It's a relatively small geographic space. So we're all moving out there across broader Los Angeles County and experiencing the same thing. But again, what are the truths and what are the realities through those shared experiences? That was something that really impressed me about um, the Wallace's mission statement on your website. And I know personally, recently at Derby, where I work, we've been revisiting our values. And, and one of yours that I really gravitated towards is accountability. It, it reads that you recognise that you have and continue to be trusted with the public's resources and revenue and will be responsible as stewards of these resources. Like I, I absolutely love that, and it's a, a very, very noble responsibility to uptake there, right? Yes, and I think accountability is, uh, is always been important, but uh, even more so. But it, perhaps in an evolving way, the accountability we have to our fellow community members, to our fellow citizens, for the responsibility for the resources that with, with, with which we have been entrusted, you know, and the mission with which we have been entrusted and how we complete and fulfill that mission, I think is very important, um, you know, because the nature of co-responsibility in the community sense, I think is something that is continuing to evolve in a really exciting way. Now, I do want to just give credit where credit is due. I am not responsible for drafting that mission, but I came in saying I'm completely comfortable with this mission. I think it's a really draft, well-drafted mission because it does talk about all of those interdependencies and relationships and community, and that's where we want to go. On your website, I saw a really nice film demonstrating your education and community strand called Grow. What's your intake like for that program, and how do you see it developing in the future? It is growing exponentially, I will, I will say that. You know, both the programs we do here in the Grow um, wing here on campus, but also the work we do in schools, both here in Beverly Hills, but also across LA County. It is, it's, it's, it's an undeniable growth area and that's very exciting. One of the challenges is how quickly do you grow? How quickly can you grow? And quickly can you grow, you know, responsibly? So talking to partners and I have to just take a moment and sing the absolute praises of the Annenberg family and the Annenberg Foundation, because Gregory Annenberg is really the one responsible in supporting the GROW, because GROW is a term, an idea coming out of um, that aspect of the Annenberg Foundation. And then Wallace Annenberg, of course, the matriarch of the family, is the person and driver for the uh, Wallace Annenberg Foundation here, just up the road in terms of making all of this here on the campus possible. But, but education, and I'm trying to, in some ways, after my nearly 20 years in the UK and in London, is to pivot a little bit to talk more about learning um, rather than education, because education to me always kind of smacks of school and all of that. And I love school, and I love school and young people and schooling, but it's, I think it's about so much more. It's about lifelong learning. It's about living a creative life. It's about really engaging in your own creativity and bringing that to a communal shared experience and a shared space. Which, you know, all of us has different experiences around that, but it can be blended into a much bigger canvas 
of what we do, why we do it, how we do it, which can become a particular kind of unique selling, you know, USP for the wallet in terms of how we craft and put together both what we present, what we produce, and the learning program we develop. Are there any thoughts off the top of your head in relation to how you plan on reorientating your venue's focus from, I guess, like an in-house learning strand to more of an actual learning theatre type model? Yes. I mean, that's really, that's, that's very much what I'm interested in yeah. and been able to do some work on. One of the challenges of working at a place like Kennedy Center, which I love with my seven years there, and I'm so grateful to Deborah Rudder, you know, for having offered me that opportunity. Um, but one of the challenges is that the arts program was so big and the education department is so big that when you think about, okay, how can we begin to weave these worlds together, it becomes quite challenging. And that's why I'm interested in some place like the Wallace, which has a more modest scale in terms of how can we envisage both the arts program and the learning program and the community program and the development program. How can they all be a part of a whole? And how can that be emblematic? And how can that provide leadership? With some of these challenges we're seeing in our field and in our society today in terms of how people engage, where they engage, changing states, changing habits. You know, we know subscription is dying. We know many of these things have changed. But what does that new world look like? And how can we begin to model and develop? I know that you've obviously been imposed for only five months. So this question might not, you might not be able to provide me with an answer for this. Um, but how well does your programming on your stage reflect the communities that not only engage with your venue, but also live in the surrounding areas? Well, that's a good, you know, kind of chicken and egg question, because, you know, do you program for community or do you program for the community that you want to develop and you want to include? You know, the reason I've worked in performing arts centers for most of my career is because I'm interested in the multi-layered, multi-faceted approach. It isn't just one thing for one, you know, this community and this thing for that community. I'm not, I have no interest in being prescriptive for what a particular community will or will not want to engage with. You know, and those radical and ongoing assumptions about what that looks like. I'm interested in programming artists who I think and ensembles who are exploring boundaries and challenging themselves and looking at their worlds in new ways, whether that be classical music or contemporary music or you know, immersive theater or device theater or you know, contemporary dance or more classical dance, whatever it might be. I, I want to give as broad a spectrum of what I think are interesting, complex, challenging opportunities and let people discover. You know, because I started in a particular area, I started with music and then I discovered theater and then I discovered dance. And that's been a particular journey for me, which has been rich and varied and, and, and wonderful and has fed me so much. So I want to give as much of that opportunity as I can to the public and let them decide what, what speaks to them. Yeah, certainly. It all sounds very exciting. So what does your autumn and winter programming look like? What have you got in store? Well, we've got, you know, we're, we're still building back in some ways. Um, the 22-23 season was a step forward in terms of both volume and diversity. 23-24 is another step forward. We're bringing back, you know, some things on a smaller scale. We do a, a wonderful cabaret setup in our black box here called the Sorting Room because it actually is in the room that was originally the Sorting Room of the mail of the mail, of the uh, post office. You know, and that has diversity of artists of all kind of wonderful artists who are exploring all kind of boundaries of music and devised um, work and cross-genre work. Um, and then wonderful things in our Goldsmith, which is our 504-seat theater 
entirely new theater built here alongside and slightly embedded into the very earth of Beverly Hills that rounds out our campus here. That is theater and dance. You know, uh, Camille A. Brown is making her debut in January here at the Wallace. You know, we've got wonderful performances in theater for young people and families, you know. So it's really getting into the richness, which is that diversity, and really beginning to advocate and, 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 and really, you know, cheerlead for the diversity of the arts and the vibrancy that exists in, at this moment in our work and getting more and more people excited about it. So in relation to engaging with the Wallace, how do communities, participants go about getting involved with your programming? Now, I know that's quite a vast question, but if we're thinking in terms of early years and up, what would be the point of contact and what sort of things do you have for those communities to get involved with? So schools is an important way we engage with, right here in Beverly Hills and outside across LA County. We have, you know, we send working uh, artists into schools and then, of course, small, small school groups always come, also come to us. Our, our matinees program is something that's growing in a big, big way. School matinees is something that's very vibrant and there seems to be a real appetite for and they're excited for. I've been here just like a week and I attended, there was a dance company and they did a school matinee. It was so electric and exciting. I, I begin to wonder whether that was still a relevant program. Well, sit in with a bunch of teenagers experiencing contemporary dance for the first time. And let me tell you, it is alive. They don't have any of the preconceived notions of what they should or how they should react. And, and it, it was just wonderful. You know, and then we move up. We have more and more contemporary programs, contemporary music, other forms of music. One of the things I wanted to do when I came in was to extend the range of musical forms that we were presenting, and we're starting to do that. So there's all kind of different ways to engage that. We continue with our commitment to classical music and opera and other forms. But then, then moving up through, we also have um, a wonderful program for seniors, you know, for elders in our community to come in and work on their own practice in our education program. We have classes in both music, music, theater, um, and spoken word, where they come in and they develop their own skills. So, you know, as again, to the whole theme of this conversation, it's about the multi-aspect of it and the different ways that you can get involved, either as an audience member or as a participant or as a maker, you know, or as a donor and supporter, you know, it's in a big part. You know, I've got a wonderful committed board here of some 32, 33 members who are community leaders who are here and really want to commit and, and develop their work with the Wallace, but then a larger pool of donors and, 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 and supporters. You know, unlike the UK model that I know or the, the European model in which I've worked, here it's really driven by community engagement. And I don't mean that just by the, the, the people um, at a certain level, but people at all levels. And how can they all engage and be part of supporting what we do and transforming the, the world in which we work, you know, live and work and make and how we do that together. So does your produced work sit alongside your received work as well? are you producing in-house work for your main stage? We have done, you know, part of Paul Cruz, the previous artistic director's work was, a, you know, part presented theater, part produced theater. We're taking a little bit of a pause just under my leadership coming in, in terms of where we're producing. I'm very open to co-producing and, and co-commissioning and commissioning new work, but producing from the ground up in the current marketplace is really, really, really challenging. Sure. And the truth of the matter is, as a performing arts center, we are many things. But we're not like Center Theatre Group here in downtown, which is really a producing house. That's what they're created to do. Yeah. We can do it, but we're better at doing it as a partner rather than from the ground up. 
Okay. You know, my view, and having done this for a little, some long, three decades now, is that there, you know, people say, are you a presenting house or are you a producing house? Well, there's a whole world in between in which you're developing work and co-creating work and furthering work and remounting work, which is somewhere between produced and presented. And there's an ability to curate within that. And that's really what I'm interested in and talking to many artists about. Like, well, you've done this. Now, what's the modulation where you're going next? And what does that look like? And how do we develop that? And how can the Wallace be a part of furthering that work? That sounds really exciting. Very exciting indeed. Tell me a little bit about your Sunday programming for families, your Sunday fun day program. Sunday fun days has been, you know, something going work really worked uh, in close uh, coordination and with the advocacy of Debbie Allen um, and her organization, the Debbie Allen Dance Academy, uh, the UK, I mean, everybody, knows Debbie everybody knows Debbie Allen, but Debbie Allen is on the board here and has been a part of the Wallace from the get-go, okay. a close friend of Wallace Annenberg's, um, and somebody I've known, admired, and had the great privilege of, privilege of working with now for some years. And it's really about, again, a multi-art form different divergent experience for different levels of, of families and young people. And they're here on campus. The great thing that I'm discovering about being here in Los Angeles, in Beverly Hills, is the incredible weather, you know, and we're out of doors many months. I haven't been here a full 12 months yet, so I'm waiting to see what the winter's like. But you know, the campus is so important and how we can activate that and how young people and families can come in and engage with different artistic opportunities and do all of those things we're talking about as well. And that's really what Sunday Fun Days is about. Nice. Do you have your own personal pick for the up-and-coming fall and winter program? Um, uh, there are so many things. That, I mean, I mentioned Camille Brown. There's just there's some people that I have such deep admiration for, and Camille is one of those people who has literally changed the face of dance, not only in terms of the contemporary dance in her own company, Camille Brown Dances, but what she's done on Broadway, what she's doing in film, what she's doing in the music world. You know, I, you know, it's so hard to get this work going, to get it on stage, to manage and lead a company. This is, you know, for people who don't know how hard it is, and then to take it forward and transcend those boundaries and change the world around you and change your field and change everything around you. I have such admiration for that, and I'm so excited about having her. So, for anybody that would like to get in contact, I'm guessing you would like me to direct them to the website. That's what you'd suggest. Yeah, everything's there on the website. We've just rethought the whole website, really wanted to make it more reflective of the energy we want to be about, how we can be living in a digital world, how do we move forward, you know, the diversity of audience offers that we have. So it's all there on the website. You can find contact for all, all, all aspects of what we do at thewallet.org. Great. Okay. Well, thank you, Robert. It has been a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to tell us all about your wonderful venue in Beverly Hills. Um, and I hope we get to speak again soon. Thank you for your time. Thank you.